The following announcement has been paid for by Journey into Wrestling. Things seem to be changing around here, and I'm talking podcasts, brother. Journey into Comics Network and no JIW? Where's the wrestling? That's just it, bro. We're making a comeback. JIW has taken over. Butt stuff, podcastrophe, the poor rapport, all these new guys on the scene. We're about to show them what podcasting is all about, Chico. Why don't you tell them when they can hear us, Nate? Every other Wednesday, right here on the Journey into Wrestling Network. Anything less is just too civilized. Following is a Journey to Comics Network production. From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is The Poor Report with your host, Andrew Poor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 25 of The Poor Report. As always, I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you guys for checking out the show again and again. It's been a real honor to get to this milestone, which is 25. I know I've been rolling out a lot of things recently in prep for this milestone of an episode. If you've paid any attention, you've noticed that yesterday on the Journey into Comics podcast, Uh, Right before the intro started, you saw the bumper for my show moving forward, which involved fake news and Donald Trump, which is always a good way to get attention. And then you've noticed that right before I started talking, there was my updated intro, which was put together by my friend and podfather, Nate Phillips of JIC and and the vice president, co-vice president of the Journey into Comics Network, which I've been proud to be a part of for going on six months now. We had a, a board meeting uh, over the weekend, so got a lot of exciting things to share in due time. But yeah, things are going really well from the podcast side of things. I know with episode 25, and really starting with episode 20, I unveiled the Poor 4 segment, which is how I'm going to take the show forward, which involves... Four news topics, either a specific article or a big chunk of a topic. Like so with, I've run into a lot lately is that I could easily have four separate news articles that I want to talk about that are all about Donald Trump, but it doesn't do justice to the poor four. So it's Donald Trump himself can just be one of the topics that I can get through all of those. And the other thing I wanted to try and get out of the poor four is to limit the size of the episode. I know. If you're anything like me, sometimes you have podcasts that you listen to five or six or seven that all are an hour and a half long and you don't have to have that kind of time in a week. So I've been trying to limit the episode to 30 to 40 minutes. At least that's what I intended to. But the last few episodes have been a little longer than that, which is unfortunate. And I apologize. But sometimes there's just really big news weeks that you can't condense down to a nice bite-sized chunk, which is what I've been hoping to do. So I'm going to try and keep this episode today 30 minutes, and that's why I'm holding back on about four pages of notes I wanted to discuss, and that'll just be a big topic next week on episode 26. 
and really another thing that I added was back in, I think two episodes ago, I brought out the poor retour, which is a new segment where I rant and rave about something that I think is ridiculous and that shouldn't be something that I should even have to report on. It should be obvious. I know I talked about people eating Tide Pods and I talked about people bringing fake emotional support animals onto airplanes and causing all sorts of chaos and problems and how just because you love your animal doesn't mean you should be able to bring it with you on an airplane. I don't want to get into it again if you want to Listen to the last week's episode if you want to hear me talk about that. And yeah, this is a, a news show focusing on current news and political news and government news and sometimes international news depending on what's going on. It's all relatively late breaking because like the majority of my show, it records on Monday nights for the show when it drops on Tuesday. So it's most of the time it's late breaking stuff that some shows that you record on the weekend or the end of the week before don't get to talk about. Like, if something happens Monday at 4 o'clock, if it's big, I'll probably be talking about it that you'll listen to it the next morning. And sometimes doing a show that way sometimes can throw your whole plans into disarray, which is kind of how we end up getting with episodes like this, which is going to have one overarching topic. I'm not going to do a poor four, a poor retour segment this week. I'll be going back to that next week. It just felt disingenuous to what we're going to be talking about later, and I'll get into that shortly. But I don't want to get into that because I know it's going to be a hard topic, and it's going to make a very somber tone, so I just kind of want to talk about what's been else has been going on lately before I get into that. In honor of episode 25, I really want to give a special thanks to everyone on the JIC network, uh, Nate, Brandon, everyone else across all those shows, they're not all just shows that I like. There's definitely shows that I really love the people that do them. And I love the fact that in a social media driven age that we're in right now, I'm able to communicate to these people on a random Tuesday morning, just shoot a message to the group and I can get a dozen responses back and get a nice conversation going enough so that sometimes you end up bothering someone at work and they get 30 notifications and have to mute the Facebook feed and it's one thing that I feel like if I was on a show that really wasn't a part of a network or a network like this, it would be hard to do it week in, week out. It would just, it feels so isolated. But being a part of a network, and especially a network that is as fun and as motivated as the Journey into Comics network, even though my show doesn't have a whole lot to do with comics or with, I guess maybe a journey. It could almost be a journey into politics show or a journey into government or news. But being a part of of this network and being part of people that I know and I've worked with personally. Cause I know sometimes you get involved with a network that you've never seen any of these people in person. They may have a similar content that you, but this network has been great and given the opportunities to really expand the show and have the kind of support group that really makes this show great. So I really want to thank everyone on the network and I really glad you've been with me for the past six months as we've gotten the show off the ground. And I've seen a lot of shows on that work grow like podcast and my show of, both started up at the same time, and now podcast with with uh, Dick Blaine Tyner now as a co-host, so that's exciting, and that's really kind of changed the show a little bit, but still kept it very much the same, and we've seen a lot of evolution of shows, and shows that have started since, since my show started about six months ago, so it's, we're in a great place, so I encourage everyone to check out all the other shows on the network, if you, when you find my show, when you go to, uh, if you just go to journeyintocomics.com, you can see all the shows. We drop 
10 shows a we have 10 shows on the network and they drop there's gonna be a show every day of the week that you can check out to including a best of which gives the opportunity to check out a little taste of all the shows to say maybe oh i want to hear more about that like what is this literature show or what is this butt stuff show like what is that about i mean if you want to laugh a lot definitely check out butt stuff or if you want to check out podcast for you check out bruise of dudes there's so many shows on the network you can check out and it's really fun that there's a flavor for anything you could want across the network, depending on what you're interested in. Like, there's going to be people who only like one show off the network, but the only reason that show is there is because the network exists and because Brando and Nate decided to open up the world that they started years ago to their friends and let them create their own content. So it's been an honor and a privilege, and I'm giving it like a giant plug to the network, which... It's fine. They all deserve it. And I'm just, I think I'm just trying to avoid getting into my next topic, which I really should get into now. And I'm not going to focus on a lot of the negatives that, like, if you listen to my episode six, which is Trump v. News Media Dawn of Nonsense, I believe is the episode. If you get it, you can go to my, if you go to drainacomics.com. And you go to the Poor on the side and look at the archives. And you, you can scroll back to episode 6 and listen to that. I go into a lot of topic about the Vegas uh, terrorist attack that happened with the largest uh, mass shooting in modern U.S. history. And it's crazy that that was only 19 episodes ago was something that and we're already back here dealing with the same thing again. And before I talk about really what's else going on, I'm going to really talk about what happened. And last Wednesday, which was Valentine's Day, there was a horrific tragedy in Parkland, Florida. There was a a school shooting. Uh, an active gunman went in with he went in there and he shot and killed 17 people and injured others. And I really want to talk about here's that. I know sometimes with new shows you see, they always want a taste of information. I know. I was keeping up on social media with what was happening, and there were news. There were kids because it was a high school. There was students tweeting out about what was going on, and there was news anchors and news people tweeting them saying, "Like, can I share this image? Do you have time to talk? Do you have?" They were trying to get the scoop to try and get something to their news network to get their publicity. They weren't as cared up, caring about the kids involved as much as getting a little more piece of the puzzle. A piece of the pie. They wanted their, they wanted something to shine on. They want someone to draw viewership, and they weren't. And I think it's awful that we're live in a society where a tragedy like this can happen, and people are trying to make it about them or make it something that'll help them out. And there's a kid who's hiding under his desk to not get shot by an active gunman. You want to interview him while he's on there, like get him on the phone. Like, what gives you the right, or you think that's a thing that should make sense? Like, he's hiding. He's not saying a word. He's just trying to get information out there and try and tell others what's going on. And if there's kids somewhere else that they can see this, that they can stay safe. And that, I have some other news things on there, and I just think that's awful. But before I really get further into this, I really want to talk about the heroes of that day. The staff and the administration of the people of this school that saved countless lives between them. And I'm going to kind of run down the list I have here. Um, uh, the assistant football coach, Aaron Feiss, he died shielding students from bullets. 
Uh, Aaron Feist was 37, worked as an assistant football coach and security guard at the school. Uh, Feist threw himself in front of students to shield them from bullets during the Wednesday shooting at his alma mater. He actually graduated from the school in 1999. He was shot and later died during surgery. Uh, Denise uh, Legtio, or Latio, a spokeswoman for the school, told CNN, He died the same way he lived. He put himself second. He was a very kind soul, a very nice man. He died a hero. Freshman student Chris McKenna told the Sun Sentinel that he told Feist outside of the building that he had seen the gunman and that Feist went inside to assess the situation. I told him I saw a gun, McKenna said. He said, let me go check it out. Then he drove me to the baseball field, dropped me off, and went back to the school. That's the last I saw of him. So he was getting kids to safety and then went back in to help more. It's a a true hero and he deserves all the respect. And I actually saw someone post on social media like if he had a gun if Feist had a gun to imagine what how else he could have saved. Like did he do enough? Why do you need to make this another point in the gun issue that every staff or teacher or administrator should ha- should be armed at all times to prevent some of this from happening? Like I'm going to get into it later, but I'm going to I don't want to get off topic. Um, teacher Scott Beagle was killed after opening his classroom door to let kids in. Geography teacher Scott Beagle was 35. He opened the door of his classroom to let in a group of students, including Kelsey Friend. The teacher that attempted to relock the classroom doors, the gunman walked by, and he was shot dead. Uh, Friend told Good Morning America, he unlocked the door and let us in. I thought he was behind me, but he wasn't. When he opened the door, he had to relock it so he could stay safe, but he didn't get the chance. Uh, the janitor who stopped kids from running towards the shooter. An unnamed janitor helped save students who were unknowingly running towards the, sh- the shooter. Student David Hogg told CNN that he and his classmates began running with other students after the s- suspected shooter pulled the fire alarm. Thank God the janitor that stopped us. He- Hogg told CNN, adding that she told them to run the other way and then ushered them into a culinary classroom for safety. She saved my life and she saved easily 40 others there. Uh, teacher Ashley Kurth helped 65 people hide during the shooting. Ashley Kurth, a 34-year-old culinary teacher, told the Daily Beast that she heard the shooting from her classroom and went to lock the door. When she saw a whole mass of children running out of the freshman building where the shooter was, it was surreal just watching them come out like that. I just started grabbing as many kids as I could and grabbed two of my fellow colleagues and the kids that were with them. She said, after about 60 or 90 seconds, I shut the door and I got everybody back in our storage area in my office. Final count, I think had like 65 in my room teacher uh shanti viswanthan refused to open her classroom door to the cops in case it was a trick algebra teacher uh also known as mrs v knew something wasn't right when the second fire alarm of the day went off the sun sent a report so she had her students get on the floor in the corner of the room rather than evacuate and covered paper over the classroom doors window so no one could see her she also refused to open the door to the police in case it was a trick she said, knock it down or open it with a key. I'm not opening the door. A parent whose son in her classroom said, one student texted his mom, some SWAT guy took out the window and cleared our room. Uh, teacher Melissa Falkowski hid 19 students in a closet. Uh, Stoneman Douglas teacher Melissa Falkowski told CNN's Anderson Cooper that the school had trained its staff extensively for such a horrific scenario. After she heard there was an active shooter on campus, she jumped into action. I managed to put 19 kids in the closet with me. This is the worst nightmare that could ever happen to you, she said. They remained in the closet for 30 minutes until SWAT officer secured the room.
And then all the teachers who barricaded their classroom doors. Many teachers barricaded their classroom to, to protect their students during the shooting. Math teacher Jim Gard told the Miami Herald that he locked the door, turned out the lights, and had the students hide in the back of the room. I told the kids to hang in there. It may still be a drill. And I just applaud and give my thanks to all the teachers for stepping into action when there's when such a horrific scenario that you don't know if you're going to make it out of the situation alive. We're able to protect all those students that were in their care during a normal school day, which happened to be a Valentine's Day. And really when I've seen everything that's been going on with all of that lately, and I think, like, teachers don't go to school to become, or teachers as students don't go to school to become teachers to protect their students and something like this. I pulled up an article that I, or an editorial, um, it said, when did it become a teacher's job to stop a bullet for your child? Uh, the editor's note was, news of mass shootings like the December 2nd attack in San Bernardino, California, contribute to a heightened alert that it felt in schools across the nation where lockdown drills are now routine and teachers are forced to take on a new role in the cl- in the classroom, bodyguard. Uh, Charlie Gare is a high school English teacher in Denver. Gare School went into lockdown this week after reports of an armed person near campus. Police searched the school for weapons, prompting Gare to write down her thoughts on how gun violence has affected her life as a teacher. Here's the thing they don't teach you when you're going to school to be a teacher. There'll be days where you have to think about how you're going to fit three adult-sized children into a glass cupboard and cover yourself with a desk in order to protect the four of you. They don't tell you that there are going to be days where you're going to have SWAT team members come in and put a gun in your face. They don't tell you in 12 years' time there will be more school shootings than you can remember or maybe even count. They don't tell you that you're going to worry consistently about the day where it's not going to be just false alarm. They don't tell you when you'll eventually hate guns more than anything, almost anything else. They don't tell you that in equal measure you'll worry about how to protect kids at the expense of your own life and worry about protecting kids from themselves. Here's the thing. Across America, thousands upon thousands of teachers will go to school, and they'll be the kind of people who on a bad day will throw themselves in front of our children and protect them. Never in all of the school shootings have we heard about a teacher who ran or fled from a shooter in order to protect themselves. I would like to know how many people go to work and have to think about the moment they're going to have to lay their body down in front of other people's children to make sure they are safe. Every time incidents of school-related violence occur, my colleagues and I think of the numerous ways we might one day have to use our bodies as barricades to protect the students whom we love dearly from potential other students whom we also love so dearly. Our world has gorged itself on violence and we are sitting back and watching it get sick with it. Our culture is so hell-bent on being worried about a man having the right to an item intended to kill that they're actually upholding the protection they claim guns give them. And every single one of our, your children's teachers show up every day and is ready to try and prevent, even just a little bit, the decay that continues to eat away at us. To take a bullet from the monster we have made. They may all across, all come across as self-righteous and indignant, but I would like to know how many other people go to work and have to think about the moment they're going to have to lay down their body in front of other people's children to make sure they are safe. How many other people have to think about escape routes and safety spots and whether a school desk would protect them from a bullet. Teachers are not police officers or firemen or members of the military who are trained to deal with dangerous situations like this. We're people who are trained how to get people to think, so that is what I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon because I will always love my kids enough to want to be the one between them and a bullet, but this also wasn't in the job description. And I think that's a powerful statement. 
like a lot of these teachers in this shooting and teachers in other school shootings that have happened, the countless that have happened in my lifetime, didn't sign up for that. That's not why they became a teacher. They, but it's become a sad reality that they have to have in the back of their head how they're going to deal if something like this happened. And I think that's something that shouldn't be taken for granted. I think that teachers should definitely be more rewarded, not beyond this, but just in general. They're responsible for the future of the next generation of life on this planet. Every teacher out there. And I agree with that statement. Like It's not in their job description to be a bodyguard, to be someone who's going to step in front of a bullet for your child. Someone that they get paid a very low salary to teach day in, day out, nine months out of the year. I mean, my fiance is a teacher. She deals, she teaches special ed. And on Wednesday night after all this happened, like I thought there and like, what would, I don't know how I would handle that situation. I don't know how I would handle being her shoes and something like that happened. And that's something that she has to think about as a teacher. Like what happens if there's a shooter? How do I protect my kids? How do I lock the door? How do I get everyone safe until it's all over? Like that's something that, is heart-wrenching to me. Like, my mom's also a teacher. It's just, I have a lot of teachers in my family, and I, like, I don't have to think about that when I go to work on a daily basis. It's just, I think it's sad, and it's awful, and I really don't know what else to say about that. It's ridiculous. But I don't think arming all the teachers is going to make the problem any better. That's just my personal opinion. I think there should be, like, a resource officer or someone, a representative of the police who's trained for that, that, is on campus, that's there, ready to go if something like that happens. I mean, my squad a resource officer when I was in high school. I even remember on one occasion, which is crazy to think about, but there was a day for... I gave a speech presentation about how to clean uh, a sword. Like a long medieval weapon, sword, sharp blade. And I actually, I left school... Went to the parking lot to my car, had a green military duffel bag that was, you know, like a what a army person would carry on their back, that had a few swords in it, covered in a blanket, sealed in the bag, and I carried that back into the school without anyone stopping me. And that's crazy that that didn't alert, like, I should have been stopped, I should have had someone at the desk be like, hey, what's in the bag? Like, they don't know what I'm doing, like... The fact we'll think about now, but I could have, if I was a different person or had different intentions, or if that was something else in that bag, it could have gone a lot further than that. And that's crazy that how something like that could easily have slipped through the cracks. And I'm hopefully the security is better now, and I think it is. I think all these school shootings have helped increase security around entrances, but that's just something that shouldn't have to be a thing. And really, before I kind of wrap this up, and I. I'm going to try and keep this episode short, so I'm going to hopefully wrap it up in the next few minutes, but I want to share a few uh, social media posts that had to do with what's been going on. Um, let's see. Here's, uh, this aren't necessarily my opinions, and I'll cut into a lot more about my opinions and everything on next week's episode, but these are just some of the ones I thought were very poignant and very things that we're sharing. Um, let's take a moment to honor the sacrifice of our brave school children who lay down their lives to protect our right to bear arms. Someone on Twitter posted saying, Things I have heard this week. 
A little girl wants new tennis shoes because if a shooter comes in and she hides, she's scared her light-up sketchers will give her away. Which is an awful thing to think about. That's not something someone at that age should have to at all concern themselves with. That is, another student will only wear grippy socks to school in case she has to run and she's afraid her shoes will squeak. Another uh, Twitter post. McDonald's taking the cheeseburger out of the Happy Meal to keep kids healthier sounds ridiculous and useless, but it's actually more effort than Congress puts into preventing kids from getting shot at school. Another post on Twitter. In America, they say the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, but that just sounds like someone trying to sell two guns. Which is another interesting point. Someone posted on Facebook... Uh, it says, how to get a gun in Japan. To get a gun in Japan, you have to first attend an all-day class and pass a written test, which are held only once per month. You also must take and pass a shooting range class. Then head over to a hospital for a mental test and drug test. Japan is unusual in that potential gun owners must affirmably prove their mental fitness, which you'll file in the police, which you'll file with the police. Finally, pass a rigorous background check for any criminal record association with criminal or extremist groups. And you'll be proud new owner of your shotgun or air rifle. Just don't forget to provide police with documentation on the specific location of the gun in your home as well as the ammo, both of which must be locked and stored separately. And remember to have the police inspect the gun once per year and to retake the class and exams every three years. Japan had 11 gun deaths in 2008. The U.S. had 12,000. Any other shitty arguments? And actually, I think... My own two cents, and I'll go into more of that later. I think that's actually something that wouldn't be a bad idea to implement here. I don't know the full extent. I have some paperwork on it that I'll talk about next week, but I'm going to save this one and I'll talk about it more on episode 26. Uh, another post on Facebook that someone had shared. Um, at a recent PTA meeting, we brought in some of the police officers who work closely with our school districts to talk about ALICE, A-L-I-C-E, which is their approach to handling active shooter situations. One part of it is that if the shooter does enter the room where kids are at, the kids are told to run around, yell loudly, throw things like books or wads of paper, etc. just to be a distraction. At first I was like, really? You think the shooter armed with a machine gun is going to confront Samantha armed with a book and just say, oh never mind, I won't kill her. And then it punched me in the gut. If she's face to face with the shooter, she's going to die regardless. The goal will be for her and her classmates to make their deaths take 20 seconds rather than 10. That's 10 more seconds for other kids to run, 10 more seconds for first responders to get to the scene and take out the shooter. A lot of lives can be saved in 10 seconds. Just to be clear, this is the current state of affairs. We live in a country where kindergartners learn to maximize the number of lives they can save as they're being massacred. And these are just some of the powerful statements I made. I'm not going to really get into what some congressmen or some other representatives have said. I'm going to save that for next week when I focus on, on gun control and... The Cause of Guns in America. If you want to listen ahead for that, you can always check out episode 6, like I said before. But I think I'm going to wrap up the episode for this week. Um, remember, if you have teachers in your life or people that could someday end up in harm's way, make sure you let them know how much they mean to you. Because they didn't sign up for this, and they deserve all the respect that we can muster. I'm kind of sorry for kind of giving you guys a somber show and with it being 25 and all i kind of want it to be a happy show and if that didn't happen maybe this this show would definitely have been different but i'm glad you ought to listen i hope i didn't turn any of you off with some of the stuff i've said uh but it's i think it was definitely the most important news of last week 
and we'll see what happens between now and episode 26, but we'll definitely be talking a lot more about the, like I said, the gun control debate and what our president, what our representatives have been saying about it and how we think we can move forward. Uh, until then, I am Andrew Poor. This is The Poor Rapport. Have a great week.